Well, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. You can also Google this, Thoughts on the Social World. I'm revisiting somebody uh, today, Sir Peter Wanless. Now, we talked about over two years ago when he had only done eight years in the job, but he's just about to celebrate in June of this year, 10 years in the job. And I thought this was a perfect opportunity to ask Peter some of his thoughts about the 10 years that have been and gone and how he sees the situation with regards to the safety of children in the UK. So welcome to the programme, Peter. Hi, Dave. Thanks very much for having me back. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, before we talked about oh, the strategic position of the charity, the constant focus that the NSPCC has on adapting to threats and challenges to young people, we talked about work in schools, online risk, and but the, the workload that was always increasing, it seemed, on the childline service that you offer, uh, training, research, fundraising, partnerships, etc. But, I mean, to be honest with you, there's such a broad base to the NSPCC that sometimes I suspect that even you can't keep a, a, an idea of everything that's going on because it's such a, a mobile kind of area and discipline. But anyway, a very warm welcome to you. And for next month or so, for June anyway, a very warm congratulations to your 10 years in post. Thank you very much. Um, no. There have only ever been 12 chief executives of the NSPCC since 1884. Um, uh, but I've certainly felt no lack of uh, accountability um, through these uh, 10 years. Um, I must say it's not the sort of job that you can afford to do sort of quietly in the shadows because the sort of the issues are are so important. And there's a kind of obligation and an opportunity to try and amplify you know the issues and the uh, and the challenges and the actions of the, the charity because there's only so much we can achieve you know directly uh, ourselves no i mean you are i mean the nspcc is and always has been if you like you know an important part of the safeguarding landscape um, but I rather suspect, I mean, it has evolved, for goodness sake, you know, not not just with the 12 CEOs, but um, in your 10 years as well. I mean, maybe could we have a look at that for a minute then? I mean, the successes, I mean, what, what let, let, let's talk positive first. What, what sort yeah. of successes would you think of in your mind over that period of time that you immediately would go to to, to point people at? Uh, well, I think that the uh, the Speak Out Stay Safe service in primary schools has been an extraordinary success. So when when I arrived, we were playing around with a sort of volunteer assembly that was going into a small number of primary schools and um, teaching young children about um, the fundamentals of um, keeping themselves safe in an age appropriate way. And it was aimed at nine to 11 year olds because the insight was that too many young people were coming to Childline 11 plus saying I wish I'd known this or I I wish I'd known that yeah. and, and that was a sort of um, innovative experiment that um, at the point of lockdown we had just reached 90 um, percent of primary schools the length and the breadth of the UK and they have no obligation um, to take that 
service um but it was so um engaging and uh, uh and interesting and important that it reached a uh, a tipping point and and not only were we engaging with nine to 11 year olds but as soon as we started doing that people were saying well what about younger ones and so we developed assemblies and workshops for five to nine year olds as well as nine to 11 so that that remains um, a service and an offer that creates a sort of presence and an opening for conversations in age-appropriate language about keeping children safe to pretty much every um, primary age child uh, twice the length and the breadth of the UK. So that's definitely um, a, a huge success, which I'm um, you know, very, very pleased about and has led us into a big kind of conversation of what is the secondary school uh, equivalent. It's definitely not an assembly and a, and a workshop. And in, in the wake of um, everyone's invited and the worries and concerns about um, uh, misogynistic behaviours and sexual harassment, unhealthy relationships between uh, teenagers uh, in and around schools, we've developed a, a programme now called Talk Relationships, which is looking to um, create a kind of confidence and an understanding um, in in the teaching profession and among teenagers about how to have really good conversations about um, consent. So again, that that is I think that is going to be a success. Its roots are in the experience that we've had in in primary schools, but also in putting children and young people front and center and really listening to their views and perspectives about what they're experiencing and where they feel. Uh, uh less safe so i think it was quite an achievement that the um when ofsted went to look in the wake of everyone's invited um they listened to um over a thousand you know young people and we've kind of built on that um understanding and perspectives of the young people themselves i think to design something which could be quite special and similarly ubiquitous across um secondary schools in in due course so that all that stuff with education um i think has been um powerful and important well that's good practical i mean a good practical example because i think that that does kind of percolate through the history of the nspcc but obviously during your tenure as well i mean i because to my mind you know the nspcc of course conducts itself with to do with advocacy to do with awareness raising to do with challenging government and so forth but at the same time you had a lot of practical initiatives that actually have a kind of measurable change is that a fair assessment uh yeah so that interestingly you know when i arrived um uh 10 years ago, um, the NSPCC had sort of shied away from campaigning and advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think there'd been a bit of a kind of feeling that um, we'd been um, quite noisy um, and not quite as practical as we could be. And you need to get sort of balance between these two things. Um, but uh, so actually um, rebuilding the kind of um, campaigning aspect of the NSPCC and making sure that we tell truth to power when someone needs to. Um, I, I'm also um, pretty pleased with that 
aspect of what we've been doing as well. So um, another big focus of the last 10 years, of course, has been um, keeping children safe um, online. And 10 years ago, we had half a person working on that issue. And now making the (laughs) online world as safe for children as the offline world is one of three big strategic impacts and we've absolutely been at the forefront of you know challenging a conservative government to regulate the internet which is is no mean feat and it's taken a lot longer than we might have expected but you know um we're we're nearly there in terms well, of it's happening, happening. Uh, it's happening but I'm, yeah. i mean i i let me let me take a wild guess here and i think you still think that there's more they could have done uh, yes, there are still um, uh, there are still some aspects of the online safety bill which we think can be strengthened, especially um, the introduction of a child advocate body. So, having within the regulatory arrangements um, some someone or something that speaks for um, consumers, if you like, in many other regulatory uh, environments, there is a. a, a, a a dedicated capacity which is funded by the industry to ensure that the consumer perspective is there and and we think children and young people themselves deserve the kind of uh the regulator needs to have access to their kind of voices and perspectives in real time because you can be sure that these companies with very deep pockets will be generating all sorts of research and information about how things look from the producer perspective but 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 on the whole to have uh, a regulatory regime um, with legally enforceable um, uh, protocols that will be designing a kind of duty of care into many of the services that children and young people uh, are experiencing um, uh, can't come too soon. And there's still a you know a pretty strong um, bill there which we're looking forward to, uh, to to getting passed, even if it's not written exactly the way we would have written it yeah. if the NSPCC had had carte blanche. Well, look, you talked about the evolution, if you like, about the NSPCC's um, um, development of, of, of work, you know, the, the, the rising amount of work that you've had to over the years to combat online threats to children. But obviously, we know that the Internet is this worldwide phenomenon and, and mm-hmm. uh, an awful lot of the threats to UK children come from outside the UK. I mean, have you managed to, would you say that you've been successful in developing relationships with um, external agencies, whether voluntary or statutory, in terms of actually combining forces to to look at ways to protect children? Um, Yes, um, uh, up to a point. I mean, funnily enough, I was at an event uh, yesterday evening where um, uh, one of our, one of the companies that we've been working with uh, really productively in this area, Lego. Um, someone from there was speaking about her career being mostly uh, beyond uh, the UK and the uh, the the kind of relevance and the respect with which NSPCC um, resources and materials are held well beyond the UK itself is is quite significant. So um, we are keen to you know produce and disseminate uh our materials beyond the boundaries of the uk even if our charitable purpose is um fundamentally about um uh ending 
cruelty to children um, in in the UK. But legitimately, um, legitimately, the threat is to the UK children. I think you're perfectly yeah. ground there, aren't you? Yes, uh, absolutely. And 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 in terms of the political. Uh, and influencing relationships, you know, we need to be connected with um, people in and around the EU, um, in the in the States, uh, Australia, um, uh, Republic of Ireland, um, Germany, France. There are, there are a number of uh, countries that are making progress here and we are uh, engaged to a degree um, with them and seeking to influence and, and learn from one another for sure. Okay. Let me take you into more of a kind of a, a kind of a, a, a geo, not political, but I mean, essentially the a macro kind of question for just for a second. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I've known yourself for a long time, but I mean, you're also I started in sort of safeguarding work, you know, back in the 80s. Um, and effectively, since then, as I understand it, the number of children looked after in this country has probably been fairly consistent in terms of about 50,000, you know, any day of the week that you want to sort of actually stick a pin in it. Yeah. Um, an awful lot of them having been the subject of abuse. Why are we not making any progress here, you know, generally as a nation? If you could look at that statistic and say, well, why? What's changed? You know, why are we not kind of reducing that figure? Why yeah. are we not? improving things here is it that we are having to flush out all the abuse first and and there always will be a continuous stream until we actually eventually one day maybe not even this century but one day get to it or is it that we're not very good at it in many respects how how would you judge it well of course well, that's a huge question, isn't it? Um, yeah, just, just uh, a quick question. Are, so, yeah. <laughs> so there are a number of dimensions to that. I mean, firstly, um, uh, we are getting better as a nation at understanding and appreciating the nature of abuse. So sexual abuse is understood and recognised and talked about much more than it would have been uh, 20 years ago. Um, emotional abuse in many and varied forms is uh, equally kind of understood and uh, and, and recognised. So, and, and then we've got the whole kind of online factor here, which is cr- creating new playgrounds and opportunities for people who choose to prey on vulnerable uh, children and young people to take advantage of them. So you've got those kind of contextual factors um, going on. Um, but also, I think, you know, we've got a system which is increasingly under strain and uh, uh, extraordinarily capable and talented people working uh, in an increasingly dysfunctional and disconnected um, system and working with children and young people who have got to um, ever kind of increasing levels of uh, desperation and difficulty um, such that um, the, the the resource which is limited and in many cases you know falling um, going to um, a smaller number of increasingly complex and challenging um, uh, young people and, uh, and and families so there's too much late intervention 
Um, so we need more kind of resource and opportunity to spot problems earlier in order to um, resolve them. But, you know, we're, we're also hearing, aren't we, in, including through the um, national panels review um, into the tragic deaths of Arthur Lavinia, Hughes and Star Hudson and some of the things which Alexis Jay was saying in her independent inquiry into child sexual abuse that, you know, we, we need really highly skilled and capable people organised in in teams and resourced and supported in a system with clear accountability to um, work more effectively um, in those particularly um, difficult cases. So I think, you know, there are there are problems with the nature and, 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 and the scale of abuse. There are problems about the, the focus um, needing to be uh, increasingly towards the kind of later, more difficult end. And we have a system that doesn't recognise and reward and organise and support and hold to account from the top of government all the way down um, mm. the needs to um, work really effectively with those children who um, want and need the support most. And, and, and that does go, you know, all the way to the top. Uh, one, one of the kind of frustrations that uh, I, I, I still have is um, the too much um, policy thinking and uh, reflection in, in government seems to hold its kind of first loyalty to particular pieces of work rather than to the reality um, of young lives. So you've got people working on the care of you. You've got people working on the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse. You've got people working on the special educational needs review. But but who is kind of holding together that real coherent and integrated sense of what it feels like to be uh, a child at risk and, and organising and designing a system which um, has the resource around the child in a kind of child-friendly and, and focused way. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're still, that that, that remains, you know, it happens in some places for sure, but it almost feels like it's against the expectations or the, or the design of the system. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there, there, there work, are work to be done. I, I get it. I, yeah. I, I do understand that Alexis J's review. You know, it, it has got a lot of good things in it, and I especially, you know, like the idea of better, more experience, better training. You know, for for people frontline in terms yeah. of actually those that are working with, with safeguarding. But where are we going to get them from? Do you think? Because my understanding at the moment yeah. is that there is a real kind of crisis in recruitment yeah. and retention, um, apart from anything else. And you know, um, these jobs are hugely sensitive, and quite correctly, Alexis J. You know, it points mm. out the fact that we need more uh, expertise, more skill, more discipline, more. Yeah, if you like. Uh, you know, in that front line, making these crucial decisions. But if if we can't even fill posts at the yeah. moment, partly because of the way that we look at safeguarding in this country, like you've just mm. mentioned, mm. I mean, you know, it, it it could be quite depressing, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I would agree. There's a there's a great 
this is this is highly skilled and important work which um too many people are currently being required to do on short-term you know temporary projects uh concerned about whether they'll be called out um the the first time they make a mistake and of course so many of these issues and challenges which um the professionals are working on are real um judgment matters aren't they which don't have right and wrong issues they have uh gradations of risk which aren't made any easier when you're operating in what feels like a dysfunctional and disconnected system which doesn't give you the opportunity and authority to organize together uh, around the child but instead to report up through uh, a function which isn't necessarily well connected higher up to the other functions so yeah, yeah. well you know over the years that I've, I've been kind of campaigning long and hard for balance in the media for safeguarding professionals whether they're social yeah. workers or otherwise. And yeah. I still feel, you know, <laughs> it's a long road to travel. Um, but I feel, I feel, yeah, I mean, I, sorry, I, I just feel yeah. on this as well. There's a, there's a, this is a, and I don't know, I don't know if we always get it right. I'd be interested in, in what people think, but when there's a, when there's a, a tragic uh, case and something dreadful happens to a, uh to a child um i do feel uh, a responsibility uh as the nspcc to express on behalf of the nation a sort of emotional association um with with the situation but that is that is different from kind of leaping in and immediately saying this person's to blame that person's to blame it's yeah. it's terrible yeah. you know the fact is that um uh, there will be from time to time terrible things that will happen to uh, children unless we have succeeded in designing really effective, you know, joined up protection and enlightened um, behaviour by all adults to uh, uh, to children. Um, but we do need to um, remember when these things happen that they are terrible and overwhelmingly there's always um factors uh that could have um prevented things from from uh, from occurring so knowing and understanding and, and and learning from those things together in a in a clear-headed way and not um taking it for granted really matters and if i have a big sort of regret or worry or continued kind of concern it's that still um if you look at a long list of the of the issues that worry and concern the 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 public when it comes to voting or how they feel about the world um children's rights um are almost kind of nowhere to be seen except at those very kind of tragic moments when something terrible happens people are much more concerned for whatever reason about um uh the uh i mean some of these things are related to children but you know the cost of living crisis the state of the nhs small boats coming into the the country you know potholes the the, the legacy of the uh 
of the kind of uh, lockdown and uh, austerity on the state of our roads um, seems to worry people a lot more than the legacy on our children. Well, isn't that because they can they can literally they can see it. it it's an immediate sort of what they consider a solvable problem. It's it's within their capacity to grasp, you know, what would change it. Which I think I was going to ask you about yeah. this before. I mean, whether it's potholes or whether it's the state of our rivers that we've just had a huge yeah. great kind of thing about or whatever. I mean, there are things there with indicators that you can measure change. Uh, how can we within the safeguarding community, do you yeah. think, measure change? Because I think that's always been for me a, a bit of a question. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, any thoughts immediately on that one? Um, yeah. Um, and uh, it's always harder to measure things you prevented from happening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Than, okay. uh, so so I would definitely. Uh, well, um Stepping a little bit away from the NSPCC and thinking about um, children's rights and the um, uh, and the and the value of a of a good childhood, um, uh, having a set of balanced outcomes for children um, and tracking those over time, I think is is really important and you know i i lived through the every child matters uh time and i'm not saying we go back to that um, exactly but there were five outcomes that were pretty uh good i think in terms of what a balanced child looked like and childhood looks like and when you add to that child poverty mm. and taking kind of deep interest in and and following that um if as a nation we saw uh positive progress against those um five outcomes um plus uh, child poverty i think that would be that would be pretty good Did from I... the nspcc's point of sorry from the nspcc's point of view we have three we we've had to think really carefully about where's the kind of distinct difference which we are uniquely placed to make and and, and we've picked three uh things one is everyone can play a part in keeping children safe number two is online world as safe as the offline world and number three is children should be able to speak out and be heard and understood. So I would, from from our point of view, I'd attach a measure to each of those and like to see as many people as possible saying that they knew and understood some simple things they could do to keep children safe. I would like us to be very much more uh, confident that we had designed and enforced child safety into the online space and I'd, and I'd like to be confident that um, all young people knew that they had options if they had a worry or a concern they knew who the trusted adults were in their life and they knew that Childline um, uh, existed uh, as an option if okay. they could find an adult around them. I think Childline I mean I've just got to just very quickly I will say though that on the front page if you like of this podcast I will put all the contact details for ANSPCC you know anything else you want to put upcoming events links you name it we'll put it on the front page of this podcast just for people listening to to realize that they can do some further you know um, uh, looking up and, and kind of reading afterwards but I, I would like to ask you Thanks. one or two things now, because we're getting to the last kind of five minutes, if you like, of, of the program. Um, you mentioned these umbrella 
areas of care that we should be kind of putting, you know, the kind of the every child matters kind of uh, where the genesis of that was. But what about the new challenges, too, that we have to fold in now? So whether it's um, slavery, anti-slavery, whether it's um, human trafficking, whether it's um, forced mm. marriages, whether it's female genital mm. mutilation, all, all what we would call the kind of new complex safeguarding challenges that we now have to include within all the kind of others that were all there before, the emotional, the sexual, the physical, the neglect, and so forth. I mean, mm. are, 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 are we creating an almost impossible landscape for us to for us to concentrate on or, or and have to break up into smaller and smaller and smaller kind of pressure groups or do you think we can kind of incorporate it all under a larger umbrella oh another great question um because i think i think it has to be both i mean the the essence of child abuse and neglect it, it, it is uh people who should know better exploiting uh, uh uh young people in a in an unacceptable way and that takes many and varied forms but um at at, at its heart there are some simple things that all of us can do to see and spot and respond to that and design systems and take actions and behave in our lives in a way that um, looks up and looks out for that sort of exploitation um, wherever we see it. Um, Beyond that, there are undoubtedly people who know and understand and have contextual insight into the the dynamics of a number of the types of abuse which you have been describing and they are really vital too aren't they so i i quite often come back from the nspcc's point of view to saying that we need to be nationally significant in terms of raising the kind of awareness and the understanding and the advocacy at a national level but also locally relevant and yeah. connected and engaged yeah. with those people who can who can influence behavior on the ground and that definitely means you know working with and through all sorts of specialist groups who have insight on um those issues and and others and it and it's together that we will 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 make will make the difference and 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 that's easier said than uh that's easier said <laughs> than done because i think sometimes people are a bit I'm glad sort of you said suspicious that. that the NSPCC, if it shows an interest in some of these other areas, yeah, might be wanting to sort of take over and kind of, <laughs> and, 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 and that's not, you know, for me, the issue is the prevention of childhood abuse and neglect. It's not the growth of the, of the NSPCC. So much of what we will do to achieve our charitable purpose will be by celebrating and understanding and giving a platform for and amplifying um, the efforts of of those who are really expert in their communities. Okay, well, look, let me ask you a final question because I've got a couple of minutes left, but I'll maybe just make this about a minute and a half, if you wouldn't mind. Have you changed over the 10 mm-hmm. years, would you say? Um, and, you know, have you got any kind of message that you would like to just quickly give to the very varied listenership that I tend to get on the programme here? 
uh, have I have I changed? I've I've definitely grown hugely um, as a as a leader um, in terms of the, the 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 more the more you learn about a subject, the the more you realise you you don't know. Um, okay. So um, uh, I think I, I always kind of had huge kind of admiration and appreciation for the. Uh, for the experts who work directly um, uh, with children and especially, you know, the volunteers who front so much of Childline and the, uh, uh, and the NSPCC school service. So um, I suppose I've, I've, I've learned uh, a lot more about what I don't know and also probably got a bit more confidence to, uh, to to say that than maybe I'd had when I first started. All right. Well, look, Sir Peter Wanless, um, 10 years, good God. Right, it's been a long, you know, it's, it seemed to have gone very quickly. But, you know, <laughs> thank you ever so much for being on the programme. Yeah, am tell me about tempted, it. But I'm very tempted to ask if you'll do a follow-up very shortly, but uh, we'll talk about that offline slightly. But for now, uh, I really appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. I'm stopping the recording now. Thanks, Dave.